Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how Velocity has made a difference in your life, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. And I want to speak to you from this thought, living a better story. Living a better story. Because who knows that we can live, uh, you know, our own story. We can live the story that someone else wants for us. But the best story that we can live is actually his story, God's story for our life. And you might be here this morning and you're on one end of the spectrum where you're living an incredible story. And that you live in that incredible story because I believe that God is the author of your story. And no matter how great your story is, who knows that our story can always get a little bit better. There's always a little bit more grace that gets us to heaven. And there's a little bit more uh, peace that gets heaven to earth. But maybe you're here this morning and you're at the other end of the spectrum where you are living a story currently that you don't like and that you didn't write. And it feels like the devil's stolen the pen out of your hand and written pain, shame, hurt, regret, and disappointment over your life. But who's grateful that we serve a God who is a great author? And where the devil says no, God says yes. Where the devil tries to put a full stop in our life, God comes and says, hey, no, 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 I'm the author of this story, and I can rewrite your story. And where the devil's put a full stop, I will put a comma so you can keep turning the page onto a new chapter, onto a better story. Anyone grateful that we serve a God who is a great author? And speaking about our God who is an author, we actually see that in Hebrews 12:2, one of the foundational scriptures, and it says this, fixing our eyes upon Jesus. It says, looking onto Jesus. Do you know there's many places that we can look in life? We can look at our past. We can look at others and feel that we don't compare. But God says, no, 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 don't do that. I want you to fix your focus on me. For this reason, I am the author and the finisher of your story. And God can rewrite our stories and reroute our destinies to walk into the purposes and the promises that He has for us. In fact, this morning, there's probably two places you could be in your story. Uh, there's, there's In John 10.10, 10, it outlines the two places we can be. In John 10.10, 10, it says that the thief, the devil has a story for our life. He has a plan for our life. He wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. And I know that he's tried that. Uh, he tries to steal our joy kill all sense of peace in our world, and destroy all sense of hope. But God says that He is the God who doesn't want that for our life. When we step off the pages of that story, we can actually step onto the pages of His incredible story for our life, which is this. He says that I have come that you might have two things, that you might have life. We call that eternal life, where our name is written in the book of life. But not just that, that we would have abundant life, where life itself is written in our book. I mean, isn't that awesome? I mean, I love that type of stuff. That God doesn't just want to see our name written in the book of life, so we become holy, but He wants so much more that God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to bring the reality of heaven to earth so you can experience all that He has for you. And so I want to speak on that subject today that we can, there's an invitation for us to step off the pages of the old story and step on the pages of His incredible story for our life. And so my prayer is that by the end of this message, you'll be able to answer one of two questions. And that's this. Ask God, what chapter of my story am I currently in? What chapter, as I outline the chapters of the story that God writes in and through us, what chapter am I currently in? And do I need to turn the page to step into a new chapter of your story for me? So for those taking notes and for those who want to go to heaven, 
Um, they're not related, but let's just roll with it for the sermon illustration. What chapter of your story am I currently in, and do I need to turn the page onto a new chapter of your story? Let's pray again. Father, we just thank you for the great worship we've had this morning. We thank you that you are here, that as we worship you, we do welcome your presence to come to us, your people, to give us the power that we need to fulfill your great purpose for our life. Well, just by way, amen. <laughs> so I forgot to say amen. Whew. Just, just by way of introduction, uh, just a little about me, because I can see some of you looking at me like, I mean, he looks black, <laughs> but, he, but he sounds pretty white. Well, there's a reason for that. I was actually born of a Jamaican parents. Yeah, man. Anyone uh, been to Jamaica? Nobody. One, two people. Fantastic. Born of Jamaican parents, but as uh, Pastor Justin said, I was actually born in Brisbane, Australia. Uh, my dad actually was, uh, Jamaica being part of the Commonwealth, he got a scholarship to study veterinary science in Australia. So uh, my sister and I were born there, left when we were three months old, and we went to live in Jamaica, um, where mum and dad were from. We lived there for six years. Then we moved back to, actually to America, uh, to Miami, Florida. And we've kind of come full circle where we're going to plant there. But then after Miami, we moved back to Australia. And we lived in so many different places. We lived in a place called Brisbane. We moved to a place called uh, Wagga Wagga, uh, Daniloquin, which had about 8,000 people. And needless to say, uh, we were the only black family there. So I was a standout. <laughs> and it was good. And then we moved to a place called Wagga Wagga, which was so good they had to name it twice. And uh, loved Wagga, which is great. And then we actually moved back to Sydney where I met my beautiful, incredible wife. I didn't even show you a picture. We've got a picture of my, my fantastic family. There they are. Come on now. Don't say woo too loud. She's taken. Come on. That's my Angelina Jolie lookalike with the heart of Mother Teresa and the wisdom of Joyce Meyer. Come on. I once introduced her as beautiful. She said, don't call me beautiful. That's so shallow. So I had to, had to lift it, the game. Uh, well, there's our beautiful four children, uh, Hosanna, Emma, Grace, Jeremiah, Maxwell, Israel, Charlotte, and Kingston, Jesse, Moses. Absolutely love them. I only show you that because they say, if I show you a picture of my family, you listen 23% more. So <laughs> let's continue in the message. But you know, my life story has been so fun because my life story has been this one of variety. And who knows that variety is the spice of life? I loved growing up in all those different places because, you know, growing up in Australia was cool because I, I, I was like the Jamaican guy, which is kind of cool, the cool runnings coming out. It was interesting growing up in Jamaica, though, because I was like, you know, when you move to a new place, you can tell people a nickname and they'll just believe it. And so I told them I was the thunder from down under. <laughs> and I uh, affectionately tell my wife she must call me the thunder from down under. But it was interesting, growing up and moving here to America, they'd look at me like, some of you look at me like, still what? A black guy from Australia? Oh, it's an Aborigine. <laughs> Which is like kind of true, but we missed it. And look, it was fun growing up in all the different places and being different. But there did come a point in my life where I did have to ask God, why is it that I'm always different and that I don't seem to fit in? And I know there'd be many people for a variety of reasons in this room, whether it's your age, your, your stage in life, your gender, your race, your culture, your ethnicity, your socioeconomics, that the devil tries to make you feel that you're so different that you don't fit in. 
But that is a lie from the enemy. You are so different that you do fit in, that you have a part of God's story that he's placed inside of you. And it's only when you live out that part of your story that you can see the reality of heaven touch earth and the complete picture of heaven being shown here in your life, in your family, in your church, and in your city, and in this beautiful nation of the United States of America. You have a part of the story. And when you discover that, you bring heaven to earth. And for me, God took me through the life of Moses to show me a little bit of the purpose for my difference and help me understand what chapter of the story I was in. And, 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 you know, many of us would know the story of Moses. Moses was this young boy who was born as an Israelite. He was part of the Hebrew people. And, and at the time he was born, he was born into the, the time when Pharaoh, who was the leader of the Egyptians, uh, was using his people for slave labor, and he was using them to build cities and monuments onto himself. So this is the predicament that Moses was born into. And, and then the Bible says that Mo, Pharaoh heard there was going to be a little boy that was going to be born out of the Israelites who was going to emancipate the people, set them free, and basically remove his slave labor. And so Pharaoh puts out this edict to kill every child under the age of two. This is what Moses was born into. But the Bible says that Moses' mother, when she had Moses, saw that he was a special child, a beautiful child, like my mother told me I was, and I believe it. And the Bible says that she hid him until she could hide him no longer for about three months old. You know, what I love about that is it's not about reading the Bible, but it's allowing the Bible to read you. Because straight away, God has my attention because I had to leave Australia when I was three months old. And, and God starts to speak to the very specifics of your situation when you read the Word and speak to the very continuity of your call. And it says that Moses' mother hid him until she could no longer hide him. And so she puts him down the river Nile. And he floats there past the eels and the crocodiles and all the, the spiders and the, the, everything that could kill him. It must have been an Australian river. Come on. Come on. All those things that could kill you. But what I love about the story is this. Have you ever noticed that it wasn't Pharaoh who was trying to kill the babies that put Moses into the river. It wasn't the devil who put him in the river. It was actually his mother who loved him. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if you, you are here this morning and you're in a part of your story and you're questioning God, are you really into this? Are you part of this story? I just don't get it. I don't comprehend. And I found myself in that part of my story just six weeks ago when my mother passed away suddenly. We just moved from Australia to America, and we, you know, and then she suddenly passed away. The plan was for them to move uh, over this side of the world, and, and it just, I was questioning God, what's going on? And I don't know if you're in a part of your story. Who would say that there's a part of your story in somewhere where you're just questioning God, are you writing this? Come on, you can be bold and put your hand up, because I believe all of us will get to that point. And my answer to you is there. My, my encouragement to you is this. What might look like on the surface, the devil trying to destroy you, could be very well be God trying to deliver you into the destination that he has for you. Because what's the destination? What happens to Moses? Moses is put down the river Nile, and he ends up in the destination, which is Pharaoh's palace. And Pharaoh's daughter finds him, the very one who's trying to kill him. God uses him to educate him, to raise him, to teach him to think like a king, so that he could grow up and, and, and take his kingdom and take his throne and set God's people free. Come on, is there anybody grateful this morning that we serve a God who can take what the devil meant for evil and use it for good? My encouragement is don't give up on your story. Allow God to take you by the winds of his Holy Spirit to the destination that he has for you. Because what you think is the devil trying to destroy you could actually be God delivering you into the destiny that he has for you. And I love the story of Moses where Moses is now raised by Pharaoh's daughter, but he realized there was something different about him. 
And the difference was this, he couldn't stand to see injustice. And so the Bible says one day when he sees Pharaoh, actually, uh, you know, one of the Egyptians beating his Israelites, he went to his defense, and he ends up killing the Egyptian to protect his fellow Israelite, which is a big mistake, because now he retreats to the backside of the desert, to this place called Midian, and we know he doesn't fit there either, (laughs) and I'll tell you why, because he ends up having a kid and calls him Gershom. Exactly, I've got four kids, Pastor Justin and Marissa have four kids, and let's just say, was was Gershom on the baby name list of you? (laughs) I don't know. The reason is Gershom means I've become a foreigner in a foreign land. Why is it Moses couldn't fit in with his own people? He couldn't fit in with the Egyptians who raised him because they said he was a slave by birth and blood. He couldn't fit in with his own people because he grew up in the privilege of the palace. At the same time, he didn't fit in here because he tells us he's a foreigner, foreign land. I believe there's many reasons, but the reason I want to show you today is the reason that Moses couldn't fit in is because Moses was trying to define the part of his story, to define his identity disconnected from the presence of God. Because look at this, disconnected from the presence of God, he thought that his identity, his purpose, his chapter of his story was to be defender of a person. He goes to the defense of his fellow Israelite, and he ends up killing him, which is a big mistake. He gets in trouble. But when he connects with the presence of God over here, God shows him, Moses, you actually missed it. I called you for so much more. I called you to lift your vision. You're not just a defender of a person. I called you to be a deliverer of a nation. And maybe this Sunday morning right here, Velocity Church, is where your burning moment happens, where God can look you in your eyes and say, I've called you for so much more. I've called you to be a leader. I've called you to be a world changer. I'm telling you, the greatest books haven't been written, and maybe you are the one that God will use to author them. The greatest businesses has not been started, but maybe God is calling you to to build that business, a multi-million dollar business that will fund the kingdom of God and change the reality of Lawrence. Do you believe that this morning? God is so good. And in the last nine minutes, I want to tell you about one of my burning bush moments because it changes everything. You lift, God lifts your identity to see who you are. And for me, that happened in October, November 2014. I went on a 40-day fast because we needed to get clarity on the call of what God was calling us to. Whether we would leave Australia and move here to the United States to plant a church, uh, whether we would have a third baby, and God blessed us with two more. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. My wife just won't leave me alone. But during that time, <laughs> I found out how it happened. During that time, God actually showed me during that 40-day fast, I believe I got the blueprint in those 40 days for the next 40 years. The blueprint in those 40 days. And this is what God showed me. That every time he calls us to commissioning us, every time he rescues us to releasing us, it follows a four-step pattern. And this is, I want to, sh- I, could, I could show you all through the Bible from Genesis, literally Genesis 1 and 2, all the way through to Revelation, but I want to show you those four chapters of the story, and it's this. The first chapter of your story, write this down, then I'll quickly explain it, is that he will discover you. He will discover you just like Moses was discovered in the River Nile. He'll discover you in the darkest, most destitute places of your life because the Father is looking for you. The second chapter of your story is where he will start to develop you. He starts to form you in the image of Jesus Christ. And sometimes he'll do that behind enemy lines. He'll do that in a place which is very hard for you. But God's not trying to break you in that place. He's trying to make you in that place. The third chapter of the story is where he'll start to define you, show you what your gifts, talents, and abilities are with the Holy Spirit inside of you. And then he will deploy you into the destiny 
in the destination he has to change the world around you. And he showed me through uh, when Jesus called the disciples, and it's found in Matthew 4.18, and it says this. He says 11 words to these disciples, and it's so powerful because they would leave everything, their income, their identity, their inheritance, their influence. They were as primary producers of their day. They would leave everything on just 11 words. And those 11 words are this. It says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come, follow me. And in those 11 words, I believe we see the four chapters of the story that God wants to write in and through us. The first thing is that God says, come. You know, to call you, the Father has to discover you. And can I just say for some pe- someone here this morning who feels that you've been undiscovered, who feels you've been overlooked, can I say that God sees you? Young man there on, on the, in the second row, God sees you, and he has a great plan for your life. You know, I love that the Father is always calling. Uh, remember I told you I grew up with Jamaican parents? Well, uh, in Wagga Wagga, where we lived, we were fortunate enough to have a three-story house. And, and I'm convinced of one thing. I don't know if you know any Jamaicans or, or Islanders. They come here. You grew up in Samoa. But I'm convinced that island parents only have children for one reason, and that's for slave labor. <laughs> And I'll tell you why that is. Because my dad would stand upstairs in the, on the third floor, and he would yell at me. He'd say, Terrence, Terrence, come here, man, come here. And I'd run upstairs thinking there's an emergency, and I'd get up there, and my dad would be sitting on his bed, and he's asking me to get his slippers, which are two steps away from him. I'm telling you, Jamaican parents, but one day he was calling me, and I didn't hear him. And the only reason I know he was calling me, because I was downstairs in the third, uh, playing the keyboard, writing a song, and he walks downstairs, and he knocks the headphones off my head and says, Terrence, I was calling you, man. Sorry, I didn't hear. He said, no, no, you're, I was calling you. Why you not answer me, man? I said, can you just be patient? I'm just writing. And he looks at me and said, what? <laughs> Remember, he said, you click your, father, your fingers at me, your father. You must have the same parent. He, said, he says, listen, <laughs> I am your father, and I brought you into this world. <laughs> you had the same father. But wait. Then he looks at me and he says, and then me and your mother will make another one that looks just like you and nobody would know. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's Jamaican Parenting 101. It might be a slight exaggeration of how it went down, but it was close to the truth. <laughs> you know, my father was upstairs calling me and I was downstairs not answering him. And why is that? Because I, I believe, like many of us, I was downstairs doing something I thought was more important than answering the father's call. And I wonder how many of us are so busy pursuing the call that we don't hear the one who actually calls. I wonder how many of us are so busy doing something that we don't hear him. Or for others of us, we're actually ashamed, like Adam and Eve, where God was looking for them, calling them, and they didn't answer. You know, if you've never had an opportunity to invite Jesus in your heart in five minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. But can I just say the Father is calling, and he wants you to come into relationship for this reason. Because where you are and where he is are two different places. He wants to lift you from death into life. He wants to move you from darkness into light. He wants to move you from your problems and into his purpose where he is the problem solver. The Father's calling in chapter 1, is that where God has you, where he's calling you in the relationship with him? You know, you might be in chapter 2 of your story. He said to the disciples, come, that's where he discovers you. He says, follow me. Who, are you following Jesus this morning? This is where he develops you. 
Because following Jesus will require that we let go of certain things that we hold dear to us. We might have to let go of the unforgiveness. We might have to let go of the pain for Jesus to follow Jesus. They had to let go of their boats. Moses had to let go of the privilege of the palace to be able to follow the call of God. Are you in chapter two of your story? This is where he starts to develop you. And can I just say that this development stage can be a little bit challenging sometimes? Because I'm going to, let me illustrate it this way. I'm going to tell you something which is pretty self-evident. I go to the gym. I know you could tell that. Actually, that's why I couldn't put my jacket on today to look good. It's a joke, but it's a joke, by the way. But here's the thing about lifting muscle and and going to the gym. Many people think that going to the gym, in order to build muscle, you just have to lift heavy weights. Just do the grind and lift heavy weights. And you know, that's partly true. But the truth is, muscle is actually not just formed in the lifting stage. Muscle is actually formed in the letting go stage. It's actually when we drop the weights and release the weights, when we lift the weights, the muscle fibers break and they, they, they break. But it's in the resting stage, letting go stage, that the muscle fibers start to reform new connections and actually become strong and become better. Maybe God is calling you to let go of some old relationships. Maybe God is calling you to let go of some old addictions, some old sin that you know that is not bad for you, and it stops you from breaking off from the old and stepping into the new connections and the new purposes that He has for you. I'm telling you, maybe you think that the thing is breaking you isn't breaking you. It's actually blessing you. Maybe you just need a few more, you know, a few more curls on the generosity, on the generosity barbell. I saw you doing a message where people were lifting barbells. Is that you, muscle man? Come on now. Maybe just a few more curls of generosity. Maybe God just wants you to do a few more laps on the forgiveness. You know, because he'll ask you to let go of things that you want to hold on to, but they're not, they're not helping you. They're actually hurting you. What God asks you to let go will actually help you. So in the development stage, he'll ask you to let go of certain things. What is God asking you to let go of so that you can follow him? Maybe you're in the third chapter of your story where the first chapter he says, come, he discovers you. Follow me where he develops you. He says, I will make you. You know what I love about this third one is that God actually is into us. And this is the chapter they say that most Christians, 85% of Christians get stuck in. Because we understand step one of our story where God discovers us. That's called salvation. We understand chapter two of development. That's where we get in relationship with people. And people give account for our ability, our accountability, and they help us. They sharpen us and make us better. We follow Jesus. We get into a, a group, and we actually do life together. But step three is where we discover, like Moses in the burning bush moment, the gifts, the talents, and the abilities that God has placed inside of us, that God makes you, and he makes you better. Let me illustrate it this way. Can you pass me that bottle of water there, please, Pastor? It's good Fiji water. Come on, close to Australia. Yeah, man. I said Australia with a Jamaican accent. I'm confused. (laughs) But right here we have a bottle of water. If I was to take the lid off and tip out the water, it would be a bottle and filled it with Coke. It would be a bottle of Cool, Coke, or undrinkable, one of the two, poison. Uh, If I tipped out the Coke and I filled it with orange juice, it would be a bottle of, you get the illustration, I could keep going. What the illustration is, is that what is inside it defines the bottle. You know, what is inside you, in fact, who is inside you is actually what defines you. And so many of us, I believe the Holy Spirit said, are so filled with ourselves, there's no room for God. 
Or maybe you're so filled with the opinions of what the world and people have said about you, there's no room for God. But if we could just empty ourselves of that and get into a place like the growth track where God can start to speak to the specifics of who we are and He starts to tell us what gifts He's placed inside of us for this purpose, that He would call us to come so that we can follow Him where He develops us, so He can can define us as He makes us and shows us the Holy Spirit inside of us for this purpose. Because step four, He says, I will make you fishers of men. Now, this was interesting for me because they were fishermen already. But what I realized is that when God deploys you, step four, chapter four of your story, He will send you back into the very place where you were and, and that might be, it might not be different. You might, you'll be going back to the same marriage. You'll be going back to the same school, the same job. But that doesn't change, but you change. You now become better. You now become the change agent of the Holy Spirit. You know, he called the fishermen and said, I'll make you fishers of men. When he called the tax collector, I believe he would have said it like this. You know, you've been reconciling the books for the government to make sure that no money is missing. Now... I want you to reconcile the book of life to make sure that no one is missing from my book. You know, I, used to, I work in television, I still do, and, and I was out there telling any old vision. I mean, I'd work for any company. You might see me on a psoriasis ad right here in, in America because I'll tell any old story. Just give me the money. Show me the money. Church planter. Hashtag the struggle's real. And I was telling any old vision, but God came and He said, I don't want you to tell any old vision. Don't just tell any old story. Tell my story. Help people discover their part in my story. You know, speaking to Pastor Justin, I heard that before pastoring, he was actually working for a company in in executive level sales, helping deliver food to people. I love when God arrests him. He doesn't just deliver food to people, but spiritual food where they will drink and never go thirsty again, where he calls them and he lifts him to a high level. What is God calling you to? I believe that God is about to deploy you, and this is your co-missioning. This is your mission to go out into every sphere of influence, medicine, media, the marketplace, the arts, the sports industry, and be the great announcer like my man Brian. Come on, and you bring the light of heaven into that place to illuminate the darkness. And so my question to you was this, what chapter of his story are you currently in? And just by a show of hands, who would say they're in chapter two of their story where you feel you know, things are a bit tough. God's asking you to let go of certain things so that you can move faster. Like, you know, when you connect to that Wi-Fi and you just, it's an old Wi-Fi and it just, your, your phone's slow and God's just saying, disconnect from that, reconnect to Him so you can go a bit faster. Who would be in the development stage? Awesome. I would say I'm in that stage in a part of my life. Who would stay there in the defining stage where they just need to get clarity of what it means for the Holy Spirit to be in them, that there's gifts, talents, and abilities in them? Put your hand up high. Awesome. And who knows that God's de- developed you, He's defined you, and now you're in that deployment stage, that He's calling you to go out and make happen for others what He's done for you. He's calling you to change your world, to change, to be a history maker, a pathfinder, and help others walk through that part of their story. Who knows that's where they're at? Awesome. I commission you and I bless you in the mighty name of Jesus to be effective, that God would bless you and increase you so that you could do that. But this morning, as I told you, the Father is calling. And here's the thing about the steps. You can't just jump from one to four. They're sequential. You gotta t- it's not just a, a leap of faith and you've arrived. It's more like, a, sadly, a set of lunges where you just got to you know, go through the motions. But you can't deploy to make a difference. And you can't actually have God define you until He first has discovered you. And God is here this morning, and He's calling your name. And if you're here this morning, you've never invited Jesus Christ. 
or answered his incredible call to step off the pages, the old pages where there's been hurt, where there's been abuse, where there's been mistreating. God wants to restore you and make you into a new creation. And he can take all that was old and make it new. And the Bible says in, in, in Psalms, I think it says that my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Do you know that God writes your story through words? He created the heavens and the earth with these words. And he's given us the same ability to speak if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. 